0: The way you do things is the most dangerous person on the field. That's the one you go for first. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so he had an RPG. Obviously, that's a bad thing. Right.
1: Like what, how God uses those things in war, especially because it's such uh, tense and such a stressful and such a, I don't have the words, but you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It's such a unique and hectic environment Mm -hmm. that, Just to see how the Lord can work through that. And I'm sure there's many things that you've seen as well.
0: I go in there, there's no one in the halls. Yeah, it was pretty early, but it was like a second or third period class. There are still people everywhere. And I go there, the halls are empty. Mm, So I feel. Exactly. (laughs) I feel very strange.
1: I was just wondering, it doesn't have to be like this serious thing, um, but I know that. Brother, that you were in the Iraq for like, how many years again? Were you in Iraq?
0: It was thirteen months. Thirteen months. So it was February '03 to March '04.
1: And it was you went because of nine eleven,
0: right? Yeah, and the interesting thing is, back then, I really was one of those people who, uh, like, because nine eleven was so new, mm-hmm. and. Everybody believed that you know the report right. and everything like that, right. that was true, yeah and uh so yeah, we all went there was this there's this huge uptick in uh, people enlisting mm-hmm. and <laughs> i I remember something this is one of the first areas that my pride uh, got in the way mm. it was that because I enlisted before nine eleven yeah. After it happened, if you enlisted, you got this ribbon. It's like a it's like a pride. Like there are ribbons, medals and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. But if you enlisted after that, then you got a ribbon. And I remember for me and some of my friends who we were like we didn't get any ribbons <laughs> like, cuz we enlisted before that. Yeah. But that's where one of the areas my pride got in the way. Mm-hmm. But the whole thing was about pride. Yeah. And I I remember after iraq this is about 2014 this was like yeah it took me 10 years to like get the truth through my thick head and then i started to read the bible yeah one of the first things that the lord led me to back then was a study of pride Mm
1: -hmm.
0: that was one of my first studies i mean first was christmas then was sabbath and then pride yeah and it really blew my mind that in, that in the Bible, the words pride and proud are mentioned a total of 101 or 102 times. And in all but one of those cases, do you, you see that pride and proud are used in a negative? Like it's not something to have in any sense, any sense of the word.
1: Mm.
0: And the one time is, it's not even meant in the same way. That you uh, that you see uh, the rest of the instances, and that's just those are just the instances where the words are used plenty of times throughout the scriptures. You see descriptions of a prideful character, and it's always condemned, with the exception of that one time. And that's something that the Lord was really trying to show me: like my pride is unjustified, because you had that. You're like you're saying going into the military, you're like pride going going into it and after too yeah i was I was very much an American patriot, yeah, I mean that's why I have an American flag tattooed on my arm, yeah, and um but praise the Lord for helping with that, and right. now it just serves as a testimony,
1: yeah, exactly, praise the lord,
0: and uh but yeah, very very, very prideful, very nationalistic, yeah, and it was it was very difficult for me to comprehend that pride could be a bad thing. Mm. And then... Yeah, that is for probably a lot of people. It is, especially with this rise in nationalism, especially Christian nationalism. Yeah. That is... That's a huge thing these days. That is not a thing that you actually see in the Bible. Right. I mean, the fact of the matter is that every nation will fall. Every kingdom will turn to dust, except for the kingdom of God. Amen. So even in that sense there's no point in having pride for your country. Yeah. And then as the Lord started revealing the prophecies that who the United States is. Yeah. As the second beast of revelation. Right. That's basically the bulldog of the first beast of revelation, the Vatican. Yeah. It became very clear. I was like, do I want to sing the national anthem? Do I want to pledge allegiance to this flag? Mm-hmm. and all that and that's not to say that the united states is bad i wouldn't want to live in any other country but this one right you can love your country and have no pride
1: yeah that's true so and it's kind of jumping back uh to like because i remember i think talking about before were you like in school or something how this even started how you even went to the military is weren't you in school and you saw something on it? you saw 9-11 happening and you like Something got in you and you're like, I'm going.
0: Yeah. And it even goes even further back than that because, because I was, I was definitely one of those kids that the Lord talked about in Proverbs that foolishness <laughs> is bound in the heart of a child. I was too. <laughs> and so um, I was basically given three choices jail, military school, or the Philippines. And uh. I chose military school. My mom said, You're going to live with your family in the Philippines. I was like, Oh, Okay. I go to the Philippines and for the first time in my life, except for the first time where I was really comprehending things, because I had gone to Mexico a few times for, uh, with my stepdad to see his family and stuff. So like dirt roads and stuff like that. And I never really thought anything of it. But when I went to live in the Philippines and I saw the pitiful state that people live in, Mm -hmm. I saw a true homelessness I saw true poverty and I saw how difficult it was for people to even survive let alone thrive and I saw the danger in uh, because where I lived was basically metro Manila and going yeah it basically was Manila and Manila is an extremely dangerous place I say all the time that Manila is the second most dangerous place I've ever lived The first most dangerous is Iraq. Yeah. Hmm. But after seeing all that, because I went to high school for a year there, I was in the Philippines for 15 months. Then I come home. And living in the United States is the complete opposite. Opportunity is given everywhere. You just have to reach out. Mm -hmm. We as Americans have everything handed to us. And it's really about slapping away the hand that destroys people's opportunities. And so I got to a place where I've seen what poverty actually looks like. And I don't even mean United States poverty. We have some of the most overweight um, homeless people on earth, which shows that they're still eating. But in the Philippines, it was very different. This was true poverty, where people were emaciated and not just dirty. They had nothing to live in. And so I get to I get back home and I start seeing how incredibly blessed we are. My mindset at the time was not attributing these blessings to God, but it was in it was my country has given me this much what can I give back? Oh, mind yeah. you I'm like
1: I get that, yeah. I'm
0: like 15, 16 at the time. Never had national pride before this point. But it was uh, comparing and contrasting the Philippines to the United States. I was like, I want to give back. Mm. My country's giving me this much. What can I do for my country? So I'm 17. I, I actually started talking to a recruiter when I was 16. He was like, the earliest you can, earliest you can enlist is 17, but you need parental consent. I'm like, you need my mom <laughs> to let me right. go? Right. And he's like, yeah, that's what you want to do. And so I wanted to enlist, sign the contracts uh, on my birthday, and it ended up being March 26th or 27th when I actually signed, so a few days after. So I enlisted at 17, and but I went in as a mechanic. The The United States and the world was at relative peace at that time. And so this is getting to, to your question, but this is just set up. Oh, yeah. I enlist uh, March, like March 27th, 2001. And uh, that was my junior year in high school. And so I did this thing called a split op program. So the split op program is where you go to basic training, you come back, finish high school, then you go back for your advanced school. So I go in as a mechanic because I figure, hey, I want a job when I get out. And so I come home. And after basic training, I come home. This is um, maybe June, July. around um, August, I think. Around August, I get back from basic training and go to school. And one day, I, I had this. I had this routine. I would drive to McDonald's or something, go get breakfast, or go to the cafeteria, go get a bagel or a, a muffin or something. I get to school. My school isn't small by any means. I mean, my graduating class was about 700 kids. Oh, wow. About 3,000 or 3,500 kids total. I go in there. There's no one in the halls. But, yeah, it was pretty early, but it was like a second or third period class. There are still people everywhere. And I go there. The halls are empty. Mm, so I something feel, was up. Exactly. I feel very <laughs> strange. Cause I'm carrying like a donut and like strawberry milk <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and something. And I'm looking in the class windows as I go by and everybody has their eyes set on the TV. I'm like what is happening? So I go to my classroom, I go in same deal. Everybody's staring at it. I just, I walk in the room, raise my hands. I said like, what's going on? And then one of my buddies, he looked, he He points at the TV. I look and that's when that's around the time the second plane hit. And so I was like, all right, it just got real. Wow. And so that was my introduction. And it was only a few days after that, that President Bush, um, President Bush said he was activating 60,000 troops from uh, Fort Carson and other places
1: wow so you so you originally so that kind of what started your like you were talking about pride before right you were like well that you want you wanted to give back like so you went in for a mechanic Mm -hmm. but then how did you because didn't you get into infantry yeah so
0: how i ended up with two mos's an mos is a military occupational specialty it's your job okay and I originally went in uh, for the heavy wheel vehicle repairer, which is the big technical name for mechanic. <laughs> that was a six-three whiskey. That's the that was the MOS. But then okay. after nine eleven, um, I remember this: the lust for blood, mm. the lust for revenge, right? Which is that's what the we natural all thing.
1: Had. Yeah, that's the natural thing is revenge.
0: Yeah, and of course I didn't know the scriptures. Right. I didn't know that vengeance belongs to the Lord. Right. Right. So it was a bloodless. Wow. The problem was that I was already contracted to go to school for mechanic. But I went in, I talked to my first sergeant and I said like I want to I want to go infantry. I want to do something other than right. fix trucks. And and
1: just to know like the military would be they're ordained but you you were just you know they're ordained there's a reason for the military it's not like they're you know murdering per se right exactly but but you were just you're just saying that the you're it was the heart that you're getting behind is you you had bloodlust that's basically what you're saying right? yes my yeah. personal reasons yeah was right. to
0: get revenge but uh yeah romans 13 1 through 7 applies yeah. to any sort of law enforcement military is just a an uh, law enforcement in an international sense.
1: Yeah, that makes so sense. So it's still yeah. law
0: enforcement. And uh, just like police, you're ordained right. into that position.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And so I went into my first sergeant. I was like, I want to, I don't just want to fix trucks. Like I want to go infantry. And the problem was I was already contracted to go to school to become a heavy wheel vehicle repairer. <laughs> Uh, but then i was able to get a second mos and then i went okay. for infantry school
1: wow i can only imagine i know i have a uncle who is in iraq and you know i can only imagine some of the stories he has and some of the stories and the things that you've seen and it just i mean obviously i haven't experienced it but i've only heard the stories that come out of it and i what i always think of is <clears throat> is like like what how God uses those things in war, especially because it's such uh tense and such a stressful and such a, I don't have the words, but mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's such a unique and inv- hectic environment mm. that just to see how the Lord can work through that. And I'm sure there's many things that you've seen as well. Like just like that, there's no way that didn't, there's no way an angel wasn't guiding that bullet or there's no way God wasn't doing something here. There's no way there's not divine intervention because of some of the stories that you have seen. And I don't know if you have one of those, but that's what I think of it. Just uh, with something as crazy as war is like the divine intervention that happens within it. That's what I think of.
0: Amen. You're exactly right. And everybody who's been um, boots on the ground, anyone who's ever seen combat, Uh, It's like an ER doctor. You can't live, you can't have that profession without seeing miracles firsthand. Mm -hmm. It's just, do you have the heart? Do you have the mind to actually see them as miracles or do you see them as luck? Yeah. You know, what do you attribute it to? And for me, it was luck. I mean, yeah, I was Catholic back then, but still, Vatican doesn't really teach God. So I didn't learn to attribute those things to,
1: uh,
0: to divine intervention or an angel guiding the bullets and all that. And there there are, yeah, there are plenty, plenty of stories. The one that stands out was uh, uh, I had a buddy who lost his leg and I had a few. But in this case, it was different. It wasn't an IED or anything. We were going on convoy. Now, I'm going to use terms here that uh, I'll try to describe it, mm-hmm. but... I was a 50 cal gunner in the ring turret in a deuce and a half. For those, uh, for anyone listening who doesn't know, a deuce and a half is a two and a half ton truck where it's like troop transport. You can do anything with it, just like a pickup truck. You can do whatever you want with it. Okay. And in the roof of the cab, you can put a ring turret and set up any mounted weapon system. And on this day, it was a 50 cal. And... It, like I said, it's a ring turret. You can swing it all around. It rotates mm-hmm. around this ring or you can lock it in place. And so we were on this convoy. One of my... Uh, by the way, side note, we had next to no armor back then. Most of the things you see of the war today, guys have like great armor. Um, We had soft skin vehicles oh, and makeshift armor. Like, it was a really hastily prepared war. Mm. And so we had soft skin Humvees, soft skins trucks, and all that. And so what we had to do, out of necessity, was fill sandbags and line the bed of the deuce uh, with those sandbags in case there was a blast that came from underneath. And so my buddy is sitting on sandbags, and he has a pile of sandbags behind him. So he's sitting. he's sitting there, and he has his feet on the tailgate. This is how he always set up. He would put his feet on the tailgate and he had what's called an M two four nine saw. It's a squad automatic weapon. It's uh he's he's basically the machine gunner. Mm-hmm. Like if you're walking around or something, he's the guy with the machine gun. Okay. And he would set uh, he would set uh the barrel on top of the tailgate and his feet are on it. It was just a really comfortable position. Yeah. And then we got ambushed. And the reason this day stands out is because, like, I could see the the Iraqi with the RPG. I could see him. So I, uh, I had to unlock the turret and start swinging. I was like, I need to get him. Because th- the way you do things is the most dangerous person on the field. That's the one you go for first. Okay. And so he had an RPG. Obviously, that's a bad thing. Right. And so I remember I start swinging. And just as I'm getting to him, the RPG launches. Oh. And so that hits the tailgate. And it just... When everything was settled from that, I could see he was missing his leg. He's in shock. He has no idea what's going on. Yeah. But... Here's the miracle. It was that day, that particular situation where honestly, I should have, I probably should have stayed with my weapon, but he's bleeding out. So I have to go back there and try and do something. We didn't really have tourniquets, but for some reason, in the back of this truck, I don't know what we were doing or how this got set up, there was a pillowcase and a large screwdriver. And, mm. and so the only thing I could do was rip the pillowcase, tie it around his stump, and twist it with the screwdriver.
1: Mm.
0: And then it was... Uh, so there's a miracle in the fact that he survived. It's a miracle that any of us survived that day. Wow. It was a miracle that there was a pillowcase and a screwdriver. You can't have just one. Yeah. You need something. And it, was, it ended up being perfect lived and like we got pictures back when he got when he got home um the va gave him a prosthetic just in time for him to walk his sister down the aisle oh wow and so we got pictures of that so that was nice but that's the one that that's the one that stands out and any any combat vet has multiple stories of how like there's no way that could have happened yeah Without divine intervention.
1: And I've seen, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the videos. Wow, that's amazing. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. thats uh, Have you ever seen those videos online? Um, I'm sure you have. Of like these, uh, um, you know, people in the military that are soldiers who are getting baptized in the front end loader buckets. the bucket of a front, they put tarps down, Mm -hmm. you know, they tarp it up and they fill it up with water and they don't have anywhere else. They're in the desert. Right. Right. And yeah, they make that work. They just put uh, the, you know, these people are, um, you know, some, because of the things that are going on and because they see, wow, this is, there's no way that this is chance that I'm here or I'm still alive or something happens. And then, you know, God presses it upon them to, you know, take that step of baptism or, you know, right, what or repentance or whatever that step is in their walk, right? But I, that just made me think of that. Um, these guys, yeah, getting baptized and it, it, it out in Iraq, and it didn't happen at, immediately with you, right? It, right? it took a little while for. Yeah, I was too boneheaded <laughs> back then. I, yeah, we've we've all had our our moments, right? <laughs> But, um, so it was until, it wasn't until after, so how, like how long? 10 years. 10 years, just so, 10 years from after you got out of the war. Yeah. Okay. And that's when the Lord started like working in you and started to...
0: Yeah. It started with Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. Because, uh, along with my pride for country, Mm -hmm. I had the same sort of pride that other people have for christmas this was around Mm. the time 2013 2014 when it really really was becoming a thing of happy holidays Uh, and of course i was of the frame of mind like just say merry christmas it's not going to hurt you right it's not going to do anything like just say it and they were like just say happy holidays and i would see signs especially in schools they put happy holidays (laughs) that would bug me too like why not just you're taking the christ out of christmas and, yeah, I was, like, two seconds away from getting that bumper sticker. And yeah. And put Christ back in Christmas. Uh-huh. But then I kept hearing arguments, like, because I was proclaiming something, like, just say Merry Christmas. And yeah. they'd say, well, Christ isn't in Christmas. And, of course, my rage right. started to build. <laughs> but I praised the Lord because he still worked in my mind, like, could they be right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I was like, you know what, instead of me just saying... Merry! instead of just me telling people that Mary, saying Merry Christmas is fine let me actually look into it came across one video in particular breaking it down and he was putting Bible verses in there mm-hmm. and really just laying it out he laid out the Christmas tree the, the ornaments he didn't say anything about the phrase Merry Christmas I only learned that a bit later but I was like why am I telling people to put Christ back in Christmas when Christ wasn't there in the first place? Mm. And then yeah. I started to think like, if I was wrong about something as fundamental as Christmas, what else am I wrong about? Wow. The, yeah. And then the Lord led me to a video um, talking about the mark of the beast.
1: Mm.
0: And then so my rage... My anger started to really grow at that point. I'm like, no, 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 no. You can't tell me that something as fundamental as Sunday, even that can be wrong. Right. So somewhere between 12 and, I'd say maybe like 8 to 16 months of just on and off study on Sabbath, I was like, yes, I can be wrong (laughs) in something as fundamental as Sunday. Mm -hmm. And then it just like, it was a. an avalanche from there. Like I was wrong about Christmas. I was wrong about Sunday. I, what else have I been taught? Mm. That is just wrong. Wow. But yeah, the Lord started with Christmas and that's also how he started to break down my pride too. Wow. So at the same
1: time, as you were learning these, these unbiblical things that, you know, people sometimes, maybe they don't even realize out of ignorance or maybe they don't understand that, you know, things like Christmas, as you're learning these things aren't actually, you know, biblical, at the same time, God was working, chipping down the walls of your heart, so to say. He was working, you know, in, internally as well as just kind of shaping you. That's kind of how he started.
0: Amen. And I've noticed he does that with everything. Mm. It was pride that had me believing that uh, Christmas had anything to do with Christ. It was pride that had me believing that Sunday is the Lord's Day. It was pride that had me believing that the mark of the beast is a microchip or a barcode or something like that. It wasn't anything but pride. Mm-hmm. And so when when he starts revealing, and I believe this happens to everyone, when he starts revealing where you're wrong, yeah, then that's chipping away at pride. Yeah. And it's helping to learn humility, it's helping to see Christ for who he is. It's impossible to see Christ for who he is when there's pride in the heart.
1: Yeah, very true yeah
0: that just it makes me
1: think of you know when for me i know for me too like or you you learn something that you're unfamiliar with or there's something that you come across or anybody if it's me or if it's you or if it's someone else there's that natural tendency our man our our natural man wants to lash out and wants to contradict it and wants to go contrary to that thing automatically if it feels, uh, a bit uncomfortable or if it feels different mm-hmm. or if it feels, um, out of the ordinary, we naturally, I know I do. If it's, if, if it's, um, something that you're not used to, you, you naturally tend to be like, ah, I should stay away from that. Or, ah, that's not true. You you, you know, you just kind of shove it off. You're just kind of, ah, we'll put that on the back bar. We don't really have to, don't really have to look into
0: that, Um, and it's interesting you bring it up that way because the Lord describes the unrighteous and the wicked as brute beasts. mm -hmm. And as a, as brute beasts, when the natural man acts like an animal, even though we're supposed to have higher functioning brains, Mm -hmm. when we are more like brute beasts, it's more about what can I, what can I receive? Um, Because like an animal, animals seek after uh, pleasure in one form or another. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pleasure and satisfaction and things like that, whether it be through food or like with animals and the natural man, through, uh, through sex, through drugs, through any number of things. It's the seeking out of pleasure above all things. Right. But also what an animal does is when it's cornered, it it, ha, it no longer has the—it's the, it, it's a fight or flight. It mm-hmm. tried to run. Now it's in a corner. Now it's time to fight. Uh, the two most dangerous kinds of animals are those who are cornered and those who are injured. When we learn the truth, which lies in complete opposition to what we formerly held— Mm-hmm. because the conversion hasn't happened yet because the heart hasn't been given to Christ yet yeah it tends to be the case that the person feels like they're a caged animal or they're in a corner or they're injured mm. in in almost every sense of the word they they are injured their pride is hurt mm. and it needs to be hurt it needs to be killed Right. And so that's that lashing out that you're talking about when something goes against something you believed your entire life. Right. Remember, I was a Catholic. hmm So learning that Christmas is wrong, that Sunday is right. wrong. Right. Those are, nobody questions those things because of generation upon generation. Right. We've learned that those things are right. Exactly. And so what you're describing is exactly what the brute beast does.
1: Mm-hmm yeah
0: this sounds very familiar to what
1: you know that to what i've known i grew up and i shared on an earlier episode of the podcast that um i grew up in an apostolic lutheran church and it was the same way like it was you know parents just passed down those traditions and you don't you don't think about anything else because that's what you know and it's excuse me, that's what you know, and it's comfortable, and it's familiar, and there's no, you're, you're just like, you're basically, it, it. I don't know if this is too harsh, but you're existing, and you're happy where you are, and you don't want to change that that uh, trajectory of where you're going, mm-hmm. because you have this community, and you have this fellowship, and you have this, these friends, and you have all this, but it's amazing to me what stands out as like, when God gets a hold of someone's heart... Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what's in the way it doesn't matter if it's family if it's tradition if it's priests or ministers or pastors or uh it it doesn't matter what it is like god gets a hold of somebody's heart and he just breaks through it all he just sets that person on a like on a focus on jesus and it just nothing else matters amen like you know, other things matter. You know what I mean. But like Christ is the focal of everything, and nothing can stop that child of God from seeing the truth and reading the scriptures and and praying and seeking the Lord. It's just amazing how He does that. Like He just gets a hold of your heart. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we, we can we have we can bear witness both of us to that God can do that, and if He can do that for us, He can do that for anyone. Amen. And, and that's
0: why I think for me and people like me. It was necessary to go through the harsh training in the military. It was mm. it was for us to go through war and see combat because it taught us how to stand. Now, not everyone needs that. However, there are quite a few people who deny God simply because they have a very westernized life where everything has been handed to them. They don't mm. want to break away from that they haven't had any real or serious challenges in life they've had challenges but they they've led this comfortable and pampered existence and they don't know what it means to have their to have their convictions challenged in a way where they have to stand and prove themselves mm. but in the military regardless of regardless of branch that's what you have to do You have to learn what it is to take orders, which takes away from your pride. Mm -hmm. You have to learn to perform the mission and get it done. No matter how you feel, no matter how hurt you are, tired, thirsty, hungry, mission first. And lo and behold, what the Lord taught me is that everything I experienced, everything I had to live through, every time I had to endure exhaustion and continue moving forward it all applies to true biblical christianity mm. you know you have to learn how to take orders the lord right. jesus is our commander right i mean he, th- there's there's a reason he's called the lord of hosts mm. with host meaning like the angelic army the armies of heaven mm-hmm. he is the commander and we have to learn. Every Christian has to learn what it means to stand firm in what's true, regardless of what's going on around you.
1: Especially in this our
0: day, Amen. Mm-hmm. When you know the uh, those who either intentionally or unintentionally are following the lead of Satan, you know we have to stand firm. the The erosion of the uh, of free speech. Yeah. Even though that affects everyone, we know. Because the Lord has revealed the attack on free speech is meant to shut us up. Yep. Just Christians. everyone else is affected. Yep. So to stand firm in this day and age with real courage and real strength, that is learned in in the military. But overall, whether somebody served or not, that strength and courage comes from the strength and courage of Jesus, who Amen. stood firm in everything, Amen. regardless of what... Uh, regardless of what was regardless of what he was tempted with
1: mm.
0: uh, regardless of what people were saying I mean you see that this is why I love saying this because one of the things that's being said today is what a man is you have like all these explanations for what an alpha male is what a sigma male is yeah. and what a beta male is <clears throat> when the truth So often lies in the middle. And when you see, because there is no standard in society of what a man should be, Mm. just like with anything where there is, where Christ is not the standard, people just come up with their own stuff. Right. But to see Jesus as the epitome and the very example of what a man should be lets you know that having like meekness is not weakness, that's strength. Mm hmm. To be meek and humble is very much the opposite of what this world teaches. People will stand firm in their convictions in society regardless of how obviously wrong they are. Because mm. the pride hasn't been killed. Yeah. And so having Jesus as a standard really taught me what it means What it means to be a man, whether other people see it that way or not. Violence is one of those examples. Yeah. <clears throat>
1: Makes me... Excuse me, it makes me think of uh, that, that verse in Proverbs that says, Only by pride cometh contention. Amen. And when there is that pride there, it's, there's always that battle. There's always something arising. Like I, I, I shouldn't even say any words because the scripture just says it beautifully. Only by pride cometh contention. Mm-hmm. If you think about that, if you really think about it, it is so true. Like, that's only where contention comes from. If they don't agree with something or something's ought, or something doesn't line up with what they think, it's pride that's the issue. That's the root, you know, that's the root cause of it all. Most most of the time, that's it.
0: Amen. Even if you look at Satan's first sin.
1: Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It was straight from a, uh, a heart of pride. Mm-hmm. And then from there it grows; it it's cultivated by Bastard, other things. Yeah. His own beauty, which is described to be second only to the beauty of God. Mm. I mean, he even got lost in his own vanity. So, what do you see in social media? Yeah, you see people showing off their bodies.
1: Yeah, that's a huge thing. And then you compare yourself. Mm-hmm. You compare yourself. You got these supermodels, and you got even with even, and you you don't even realize it. You're comparing yourself regardless if they're even showing their body or not Mm -hmm. you see people posting their highlights or you see people posting their things in life you you tend to compare yourself even when you don't think you are Mm -hmm. and i've noticed that even for the times that i have you know like i've been you know scrolling on social media or whatever after you're done you feel kind of like icky Mm -hmm. you feel kind of like ugh. Well, you know, and, in, 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 you know, social media could be, is a beautiful platform to share the truth of God's Word. And it is, and we should use that. But most often, it's not used in that way, and you just kind
0: of feel icky, you know? Yeah, it's a tool, and it's yeah. for us to choose how to use it. Amen, exactly. And so, yeah, that's why on TV, this is why TV can be such an awful thing. I used to watch, I was obsessed with cars. And I figure I'm just learning something. I'm seeing beautiful pieces of art and all this. I used to watch houses and all that. Oh, that's just beautiful house. I knew what was up. like, I envied. Mm. Uh, I, I had a heart of envy. I wanted those cars. I wanted those houses. I wanted those lifestyles yeah. and all that. Only to learn <laughs> later on that that sort of envy is commandment number 10. Mm. Like wanting that other person's body. Yeah. Wanting that, uh, wanting yeah, that house, that car, that money, that lifestyle, Ooh. all of that falls under commandment number ten. And as we're told in in First John three four, the very definition of sin, which conveniently, basically, no pastors or ministers out there give the definition of it. They talk about sin all the time, but they never define it. Yeah. But the Lord is very clear in First John three four. Uh, for sin is the transgression of the law. And oh, yeah, wow. mm-hmm. falling into envy just by watching these things is a violation of commandment number 10.
1: Because
0: mm. it goes against not only the meek and humble attitude of Jesus Christ, but also goes against the command to be content. Yeah. And, and we're told, having food and raiment, let us Let's therewith there be, be content. content. Yeah, All you need is food and the clothes on your back, and you have everything you need to be content. Wow. Mm. And everybody everybody can look around and see that we have much more than one pair of clothes and one meal we're beyond blessed mm-hmm. and yet the more affluent a country becomes the more affluent the the lifestyles the more uh comfortable people become you see that they become less happy yeah having more And he talked about that in proverbs and other places too like like give me food sufficient for me Blessed right? I be, full and forget Thee. Yes. Oh wow. Yeah. Amen. So having too much, though it's a blessing, is often used by people to forget about God.
1: Yeah. Wow, that's very true. <laughs>
0: well, this has been a
1: blessing. I kind of want to do just as many episodes as possible, because, <laughs> oh yeah, I don't know. It's praise the Lord though for the the praise praise the Lord for the experiences that. You, I know we each have our individual experiences and in how the Lord, and He knows where we need to be at what times, and He knows the things that... He doesn't intentionally put us through trials um, necessarily, but He uses them for His good. You know, Romans 8.28 says, For all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are at the call according to His purpose. And so He uses those things to for the good of us because... He wants us to be in heaven with us. He's jealous over us. Amen. In a godly jealousy way, he wants, he absolutely wants what's best for us. Amen. Right? He doesn't, he doesn't wish anything that's bad. He, you know, he doesn't ill, he's not an ill wishful God. He doesn't want bad things to happen to people, but he uses them for good. And that's one thing that we should all reminding ourselves, but especially with you with the war, like we were talking about, mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah, war isn't a good thing. You right. know, there's passions arise in men that are demonic and bad, especially mm-hmm. in war, but he uses those things for good, and praise the Lord he's done that.
0: As we see, yeah. praise the Lord, a, a living example. <laughs> Amen. And so. the, yeah, you're absolutely right. The Lord will, like any parent out there, doesn't want their children to experience pain or hardship. We want our children to have easy lives. At Mm. the same time, like even with little kids, you can find videos of it, be like, stop jumping on that couch, you're going to hurt yourself. Yeah. You can instruct them and instruct them, but at some point you back off, let them hurt themselves, and then you go and you comfort them and you guide them and you teach them. That's Mm. very much what the Lord does with us. He'll let us dig our own pits. Yeah. But he'll also reach out that hand, mm. uh, like with my my favorite part of the Bible in describing this is with Peter, because Peter, so long as he had his eyes set on Jesus, he was he was living the miracle of walking on water. Amen. The moment he started paying attention to the hardships of life represented by that storm and took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to sink. But you see, it's described. I actually went through uh, this is part of my morning reading. Yeah. And he, as he began to sink, he called out for help. And the the Lord used a very specific word there. Jesus immediately reached out. As soon as Peter called, Jesus immediately acted. And we can expect uh, such a thing from our Lord. Mm. That even when we dig our own pits and we experience hardships due to terrible choices, so long as we call to him he will reach out immediately there is no waiting it may not change the circumstance immediately but he'll bless with comfort he'll bless with peace he'll bless with contentment he'll bless in all the ways outside of circumstance and even like if, even if by his grace he does change the circumstance he'll give blessings well before that because regardless mm-hmm. of circumstance like jesus like jesus says peace i leave with thee not as the world giveth peace The world expects peace to come from the circumstance, Mm. but what Jesus says is peace within the circumstance. Mm -hmm. And so even there you see uh, a contradiction of how the world sees things and how Jesus teaches. Oh, amen. Well, thanks for sharing.
1: That's the cool thing about this is we get blessed. Amen. Like we're doing a, you know, doing, making a podcast episode, but the lord blesses us as well so he's just so good to so kind and so gracious to us that we get blessed by just talking about him and just it's just amazing so thank you for even uh i'm gonna we're gonna wrap it up here but thank you thank you so much for coming on brother i appreciate it and thank you maybe we'll have you definitely not maybe definitely (laughs) i'm gonna have you on again because that was fun (laughs) yeah we can
0: (laughs) that was really fun (laughs) either telegram or discord we should see which one works better yeah
1: yeah, for sure. It's always better in person, but we can, yeah, we'll, we'll make something work. I think telegram will make it work, but, but yeah, definitely. Well, thank you for listening and we will see you on the next episode. God bless. God bless.